As a business professional, mastering social media is no longer a nice-to-have set of skills, but a fundamental need in order to advance your career and exceed goals. A lot of people are interested in learning social selling techniques for revenue generation, network building, and maybe even to advance their thought leadership. But what is actually needed is a practical and repeatable system to digitally transform whole teams. Teams that commit to creating meaningful digital communities and learn how to leverage social media to turn relationships into sales online far outperform their competitors. And companies that commit to investing in their teams to increase their personal social influence reap the benefit of increased brand awareness and positive upticks in company reputation. Social media is natural, it's cost-effective, and it's an easily leveraged tool at anyone's disposal. What is lacking is an effective and proven system that trains sales, marketing, HR, and executives alike to move from social selling to complete digital transformation and into digital dominance. Our 12-week social selling course is a practical, hands-on experience. It's taken over time specifically to address the needed mindset shifts, the changes in habits and behaviors, and all of this while implementing new skills. You will learn how to network effectively and at scale build rapport with targeted audiences, expand your influence, and become the go-to authority in your area of expertise. So this is not a quick tips and tricks for LinkedIn success flash in the pan. It's a commitment to changing the way you show up online and experience career-shifting breakthroughs. This is expert instruction in small cohorts with personalized one-on-one coaching. If you're interested, go learn more at littlebirdmarketing.com slash social hyphen influence. You've joined the Digital Transformation Success Podcast. I'm your host, Priscilla McKinney. I consult with leaders around the globe and bring their teams through a digital transformation journey. Realizing digital transformation across an entire organization is key to business success. While the phrase digital transformation is often used, it's not always understood. So we start each episode with my brief working definition. Digital transformation refers to the purposeful integration of digital technology into all areas of a business. It goes beyond technological innovations in that it requires a fundamental mindset shift of how to operate internally and deliver maximum value to customers at scale. When done well, It results in a culture change to an environment where opportunities for digital technology are not missed, but are thoughtfully used to change established practices and processes for greater efficiency, flexibility, and profitability. You'll hear from consultants, trainers, executives, innovators, and thought leaders. We will avoid buzzwords, jargon, and leave behind our egos to help you take that next step toward digital transformation success. Let's dive in. You're in for a treat today because Brett Baker is not only uh, one of my mentors, but one of my most esteemed colleagues, but I like to call him one of my best friends. So Brett Baker, (laughs) (laughs) welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'll take that. (laughs) Over the years, it has just been so amazing to see 
how much you've taught me. We've had a lot of laughs along the way, but I have been so excited to have you on Digital Transformation Success podcast for so long because you really were the biggest mentor. So we're going to dive into that. But before I get started, I'm going to tell people a little bit about Brett Baker. So he is the owner of TrustPoint, a Sandler training system center. And I know that some of you have been around Sandler here or there, but if you haven't, don't worry, hang on. We're going to talk about it a little bit, but TrustPoint really brings sales management, customer service teams together and gives them that kind of personal development that every single one of those people need to succeed in their business. He works with company owners and leaders. So even up there on that thought leadership level, but he's helping them to build a culture of communication and trust. And that's internal, external. And he just has carved out this wonderful coaching niche with the Sandler process. But of course, he's bringing a lot of Brett Baker to it. So When we're talking about what it takes to be successful digitally anymore, it's not just boop, 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 press buttons. We have to do the inner work. We have to really understand how we're bringing ourselves to the table, how we're asking the right questions. And there is nobody better to teach you about this, in my personal opinion, um, than Brett Baker. And I have to say, Brett, before we even start thank you so much for making a difference in my life. You have helped me grow as a professional. Honestly, I can say I am a much better version of myself for having known you. Yay. That makes me smile. (laughs) You know, if you go back, if you're going back that far, Priscilla, I can remember you saying in the first time we met, you stopped me and said, Brett, I I need you to understand. I'm not doing this. I'm not talking to you because I want to make more money. I want to feel differently when I leave my clients meeting. And I thought that was so powerful because most of the time people if they do sales training or culture shifts or whatever, owners or sales managers or whatever, it's always to put more points on the scoreboard, which in our world is money. And so it was so profound when you said, I want to feel different because you were that more direct bottom line for power woman. And I think you could probably sell anybody about anything, but you didn't feel great about it. So I just remember that it was so powerful. I was like, okay, we're changing lives here. It was a trip. Well, I remember getting off the phone with you and me thinking, I feel great. And I'm like, I want people to feel great when they get sold. (laughs) I was just like, sell me again. I loved it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, that might be the, the undercurrent of this whole few minutes we have is just, can you get the other person to self discover truth? Some, most time, hopefully it feels good, but sometimes the truth hurts, but yet they want to move away from the hurt and be better, more effective and efficient. So if a salesperson can pull off self-discovery and that feeling, that's, that's a cool thing. I think it's not for everybody, but it's a cool thing. Yeah. We talk all the time here at little bird marketing about self-awareness being the first critical step to actually being a part of the team. And our first core value is care deeply. And what I tell people all the time is you have to care deeply about yourself first and foremost, Where are you going as a professional? Who are you going to be even just as a human? (laughs) Are you going to show up in all the roles that you have as a spouse, as a significant other, as a parent, as a friend, as an aunt, as a whatever it is? That's also what you're bringing in as a salesperson, as a leader and whatnot. So we're going to talk about that, but I'm going to set you up a little bit about this digital transformation and where Sandler really has gone in the last couple of years. 
I was standing in Amsterdam, just uh, the very last, last day of February, I believe. And I had just finished talking about social selling and really how to have these critical conversations online, develop relationships that are completely online. And I had just finished saying that if your team does not have a specific system and you know exactly how it's working and that you're training people along in it and you are able to do it on a digital level without face-to-face meetings, if you can't, if you haven't figured that out, you're not like, that's not the future of business. And it's not like, ooh, today, what's new now? It's the past. And someone is eating your lunch and you just haven't gotten the memo yet. I got down off that stage and someone said the word COVID to me for the first time. And I was like, oh, what's that? And first of all, then I realized I had to book a flight home very quickly. <laughs> but, you know, this idea is like people really weren't receptive to think, oh, you know, you can't really build relationships digitally. Mm-hmm. And au contraire, <laughs> you certainly can. But let's talk with you. You are the expert. I want to hear from you about what is the system that is underneath this? What are the basic needs that you have to understand and, and embrace in order to really start building the kinds of relationships that are built on that meaningful trust and just mutual, mutual respect? Yeah, that's a lot in there. I think you, you said, um, my brain's jumping in when you said, can you build relationships digitally? Well, when that COVID hit versus fast forward all the way today, it's not only can you, but you must. And we were put in that situation where I was surprised how many people, A, have never turned on a camera. They've never had a sales conversation or a prospecting conversation or an account management conversation on their phone or on their de- laptop, desktop. And so it was just a shock to all of us in that industry. So fortunately, I don't know why, if it was a God thing or what, but we were virtual about 70% of our business five years before COVID. So it was natural for us to have Skype and GoToMeeting and Zoom and team, not Teams yet, but oh my gosh, people, it was just so new. So not only can you do it, you must do it mm-hmm. um, if you're going to live in today's world because it's just, I noticed there was a stage where it was so new for people. So then people got all the equipment and started figuring out. And then once COVID kind of chilled out a little bit, we come become a normal part of our world. People got tired of Zoom meetings and go-to meetings and, and teams. And but now I've noticed it's come back. It's just a part of life. I mean it's very efficient. And I think nobody can walk away from that. But let's go away from the technology because okay. that's what this podcast is really about. It's digital transformation. A lot of people start thinking, oh, it's a technology. Okay, so we're gonna transform our people by getting them on Zoom. You know, it's like right. okay, right. but let's well, you already do but where's the quality? So this is really, in my opinion, where you, Brett Baker, your expertise shines. So let's say we've got to, in the next year, this is our number one goal. We've got to get our people digitally transformed and they need to be successful as salespeople digitally. So what so does Brett Baker- that digital, we'll move away from that technical. The thing that hits my brain the most is when you're in this digital transformation, is really, and this is going to hit home to some people, you're going to have to do an audit right now in your world, and you may not be able to do it yourself. You may have to ask some people about this, but are you asking a question or are you saying something with a period on the end of it? And it's so powerful when someone transforms in whatever medium to where can they really stop giving their opinions and telling, selling, educating in those first 10 minutes, five minutes, 20 minutes, whatever it is. And can they simply ask questions or get the other person involved? Priscilla, there's still a stat that says 76% of sales professionals will solve within the first three to five minutes 
and with a price. Mm. And that's what causes people to run away from the closing moves of 70 years ago. So I don't know if that hits that question, but that's what popped in my brain is, can we really transform ourselves into questioning people with question marks and not our opinion? Make them fight for that opinion. Mm -hmm. People get too soon with that. Right. Well, let's talk about why they do that. So they're feeling a lot of pressure. So tell me about what you experience. You encounter a lot of salespeople, a lot of sales managers, and I think you're very well acquainted with how much pressure they're feeling. And that's why they solve so quickly, you know? So what needs to happen and what do you need to kind of help them become awake and alive to about this pressure so that they can start getting back in control? Yes. If we asked 30 salespeople in a room, where do you feel the most pressure? Most of them would say, I feel pressure with getting the yes. And so if we can alleviate the pressure of the yes, because we can't control the yes, we can only control questions and certain behaviors for them to self-discover it's a yes. So sales professionals of of yesteryear, still today, I'm still surprised it's 2022 and people still go for the close really quick. Dale Carnegie taught us, if I can answer all your questions and show you a way, will you buy from me today? If the press hard, third copy is yours. Some people <laughs> don't even know what a third copy is today. That really dates us. Zig comes along. I love Zig Zig. Everybody comes along with always be closing the ABCs of sales. So today people still are using those because they work. They're just exhausting and people see them coming. So that's why I think we got to switch to questions, but it's just a, People get pressured to get the yes. So if we could get in their head and get them okay with the word no, because no is part of the outcome. No is there. It's just that people don't talk about it. So when a sales professional starts to become okay with no, they actually start talking about no earlier, that it's okay. Their world opens up to a level of trust with people they've never dreamed of. It's Mm -hmm. so interesting because customers know the yes is coming. They're going to want the yes. Prospects know the yes and the close. When someone starts acting differently and focuses on the no, it changes the game. Mm-hmm. That's where okay. I see a lot of pressure. What you're talking about really is about people focusing not on that end game, not on that result, but a lot more on the behavior that they can control. So tell me about that a little bit. Yeah. How do you make that switch <laughs> for yeah. people? So sometimes when I'm talking to a business owner, they sh- they're like, hey, I've got these really good people, but we're not scoring enough. Now we're not selling enough and we're not putting enough points on the board. So you can hear that they're they're looking at the numbers. You got to look at the results. Everyone looks at the PL or the scoreboard but they tend to want to manage those results. There's some salesperson right now, while we're recording this podcast, some sales sales managers opening up the door to somebody and they're calling them at home and saying, hey, go sell something today. They can't control that. So I see where the pressure now becomes, geez, I got to sell something today. So now the pressure of the yes. But so there's the really the definition in the line between behaviors we can control versus the results we can't control. We are going to look at the scoreboard Yesterday, we're recording this on a Monday, right? Yesterday, the NFL played football and they didn't go in at halftime and said, we're down by two touchdowns. They said, we got to run the ball more effectively. We got to pass the ball. We got to catch the. They focus on the behaviors to change the score, not managing the score. Hmm. So in sales, I don't know why we do that, but I think it's the pressure with the yes, but we can control our behaviors by the amount of behavior we do, the different styles of behavior we do, are we emailing before calling? You know, mm-hmm. we're a world of email and texting before we actually call. It's not wrong, but 
now to call someone, it's kind of a pattern interrupt. So <laughs> behaviors, Priscilla, are what we can manage, all the things that we can do. That's what owners are really starting to shift through. Can our leadership and our management be more behavior managers, not sales managers that say, go sell something? You're not selling enough. That's kind of old school. Okay. So it's one thing of getting out of the results as the first lead sentence, not that we're not checking the dashboard, but I do have a lot of conversations with people that that is the first thing. And they're saying, okay, they're looking at the dashboard. They're even looking at very sophisticated dashboards about how many calls trying to do a cookbook and kind of, you know, bringing people back to us like, well, so-and-so did this and -and so-and-so did this. And there seems to still be a lot of comparison strategy in sales. I don't know if it's shame tactics that were maybe (laughs) they work, (laughs) but give some like lifelines here to a sales manager who's wanting to really have a behavioral change, but needs to be able to do that for a lot of people who have a lot of different personalities, right? So you have Eduardo over here, who's amazing, and he's a top flyer and great seller. And so then typically you have that sales manager, well, you got to be more like Eduardo, you got to be more like, and it's this pressure, pressure of it is competition, but is competition by assimilation, <laughs> really, yes. like the Borg. Right? Yes. Um, and so tell me a little bit about if you can get the sales leader saying, okay, I'm not going to drive with results. I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and start talking about behavior. I'm interested in talking about behavior and how that could change things for us. But what is a system that people can walk into to have success with various different personalities and everybody not doing the same freaking thing that sounds repetitive and nobody wants that job. Yes. Let's take a quick break so I can tell you about this show's sponsor. Businesses don't need research for the sake of research. They need research that leads to a meaningful impact for their customers, their products, and their bottom line. Communications for Research is the trusted insights champion to lead you to that impact. They take their ownership of the research process so you can focus on your business and your customers. Whether you need qualitative, quantitative, or data analysis for primary research, their expert logistics team has the experience to understand your objectives. They design and execute processes to achieve research outcomes that lead to better decisions. Visit cfrinc.net to learn more. So go. let's go back to a sales manager or a behavior manager. The first question they tend to ask. So let's say Eduardo was supposed to do 10 pieces of behavior to sell $1,000. So Let's say, so the first thing an instinct, a typical sales manager would say is if they didn't sell $1,000 in that time frame that day or that week, you didn't sell the $1,000. What do we got to do to change that? The first question is about the $1,000 are not hitting that quota versus the first question should be, did you do the behaviors that you said you were going to do? So if somebody says, I'm going to do 10 of these and five of these and 27 of these, they're proclaiming that uh, this is the amount that I need to do. I can control to be successful if it works. I can't control whether it works or not. I can only control saying what I'm going to do. And then did I do what I said? So it gets to be Friday night in this example. Let's say Monday, I say I'm going to do 10. Friday night comes and I only did five. The sales manager say, hey, before we get into the scoreboard, did you do what you said you wanted to do? Mm-hmm. And if that answer isn't yes, It doesn't matter what the scoreboard says, good or bad. It doesn't really matter. What matters is the integrity of the person. Did they bail? Did they get uncomfortable? Did they feel like 
they were stuck, were they afraid, call reluctance, all those words that come into play, what blocked them from doing the behavior that they can control in that eight to five window or whatever to get the the result. Okay. So so let's talk about that. So let's say in this case, we've got the sales leader to be able to move toward the idea of behavior, right? So they're going to lead from behavior. Now, what we got to do is get all the salespeople to agree to lead based on behavior, right? So what gets in the way? Like what, what are some of the things that just immediately keep us from sticking with that saying, okay, I understand that. Okay. I'm just going to be able to manage the things I can control, say some accountability, some integrity, right? And say, I'm going to make these 10 calls. So these are the 10 calls I'm going to make and getting that done. But what immediately gets in the way for salespeople? Great question. I love where you're you're taking this. Because so let's say somebody says, I want to make 10 calls today and they only do five. And sometimes the excuse might be, well, I didn't have time or some excuse comes up. So the sales manager question should be, wait a minute. You said you want to do 10. You didn't do 10. So what was the block? Was it technical? You didn't know how to make the other five? Was it technical? <laughs> I what? love this conversation. You know. Do you want me to dial the phone? For you? <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. But I no, it's okay. Like I love it. Sarcastic. <laughs> but call reluctance or somebody uh-huh. has an excuse that they weren't able to do what they said they're going to do. It's either technical or conceptual is the second one. So just so you understand, sometimes people say, well, what is, I think it was both. Well, technical is I don't know how to do something. Conceptual is something in my head that's blocking me, fear or excuse or something. And that's a conceptual block that they believe is true that actually stops doing the behavior. So if somebody did five and they want to do 10, it's probably not a technical problem because they did five. So the aha moment is when the sales manager says, so it can't be technical. What's the conceptual block? Well, I didn't have time. So we have this belief that the problem they bring is never the real problem. That's a smoke screen. We all have 24 hours in our day. Are you saying you did five in an eight-hour period, but you couldn't do the other five? Seems off. What's the real problem? What's the real conceptual block? And sometimes you'll hear weird things. You'll hear, well, those other five were higher up in the organization. I didn't feel I didn't want to bother them. Uh Uh-oh. Here we go. We have a new belief. I don't want to bother somebody. So a salesperson that thinks I'm going to bother them, see how that's a conceptual block. So a sales manager's job, in my opinion, should really be uncovering conceptual roadblocks in their head. We, you know, Priscilla, you and I call it head trash. Yeah, I love these conversations we have. (laughs) But sometimes we let head trash come in and it blocks from us from actually doing the talent that we really have. Mm-hmm. So I, if you hate football for the people listening to this, forgive me, but it's just like a professional quarterback. If they throw that ball one half second earlier than they're supposed to, because they're afraid the guy's going to tackle them. It's the difference between a touchdown and a sack or a drop ball. So it's so crazy how it's just this fine line. Water boils at what? 212 degrees, not 211. And it's amazing. The power of steam at one degree. So if we can unlock them in one little thing in their head, salespeople fly. That's the power of a conceptual removal. Mm. I'm going to get really specific here because okay. you you brought up one piece of head trash that I think a lot of people have this, I don't want to bother people because a lot of times sales is interruptive and we get out of this helping mode and instead we're like, oh, I'm selling something. And this is a very common phenomenon, right? And sometimes I think about it, it's like, oh, we're the last great salespeople out there. Yep. It's because they do have to overcome a lot of head trash. 
all yes. day long. It's pretty yes. exhausting. And so, for example, you said here that they have to get over this idea that they would be bothering someone. So when we think about really having digital success, right, on with sales, and let's say I can recognize this as head trash, but how do I start working with my team to really start pulling them out one by one. Like, what is this head what, What's in your brain at this moment? A, a couple of examples of some things you've heard would be really great because you just said this one of, I don't want to bother someone. That means that right. you're not equals with this person. Oh, wow. Like you're feeling very subservient. Like, oh, I don't want to bother that. Oh, you know, they're too important or whatever. That to me, like I hear the trash in there is like, well, what you have to offer is not as important as what they're doing in the moment of their day. And to just take this one step further, a lot of times people say the answer, and I'm seeing, I'm sorry to say, but a lot more men strong arm this, I'm just going to be more arrogant, therefore I'm more important, so I'm going to take the reins, and I'm going to say, well, I would give you a little bit of my time to tell you about this. (laughs) I'm obviously speaking in hyperbole here a little bit, but how do you come to that success that really, where you transform who you are as a person and who you are as an amazing salesperson in a way where you can show up online with power, with authority, without being an a-hole. Yeah. So that's where you and I had two book in. So what we're talking about here, I believe, is self-concept. Sometimes in my generation, people call it self-esteem or sometimes in business, we call it equal business stature. Is a CEO have a different business stature than the conference room salesperson, the paper salesperson, the internet salesperson, that the CEO is a higher business stature. So that can get into our heads where we're not, we don't have equal conversation. So Priscilla, like for example, you and I were bookends. When I met you, I probably didn't have the self-concept and the self-esteem felt like I would bother people. I didn't want to push too hard. I didn't want to ask the tough questions. You wouldn't have known that because I was probably trying to mask that. Where you can ask the tough questions, you almost had to nurture them so you didn't blow them up. (laughs) What do you mean almost? (laughs) I did. And I still have to use all of my Sandler system in order to not do it. (laughs) But you're blessed with that direct behavior style where I had to learn to adapt to that in business. So, but it all comes down to, we all have a private self-concept inside, meaning if we take away all the hats or roles that we play, what's left? And sometimes we put that on a scale of one to 10, 10 being best, or a price tag of a hundred bucks versus $0. The answer is it's a hundred bucks. The answer is we're a 10 on a scale of 10 without any roles we play. Our self-esteem is not on trial. It is, we are worth the highest, whatever the scale is. We just don't believe it. Sometimes we let life beat us up or someone says something or did something to us that over time, it takes chinks out of our armor and we're just not, we don't see us that way. So a salesperson comes along a six on a scale of one to 10 and is calling a CEO that he thinks is a 10. He doesn't ask the tough question. She won't go to the elephant in the room. And so when you say, what can we do as owners? We can build self-confidence in our team, self-esteem, self-concept, not arrogance, not cockiness, but peace that I have equal conversation with this person. So then we go to this bothering excuse that I don't want to bother them thing that you're tapping on. You and I both have people that we made a call to, or we reached out to them proactively and it's changed their life, not only financially. I mean, I know of a CEO right now that used to be less than 20 million. And today he's over 120 million. He would say, thank you for making that cold call. And I made it at 459 on a Friday. 
because <laughs> he I'm had to do the behavior. I didn't bother him. I changed his life. But I got to tell you, we get that stuff in our head. So if you have something you believe in or you change companies' lives and people, you're not bothering anybody. They can say no. That's why we want to embrace the no. Can I tell you why I'm calling or should I hang up? Hey, this is Brett Baker. You don't know me. This is a cold call. Do you want me to hang up or can I tell you why I'm thinking about you? See, the no is so beautiful when I'm bothering somebody because they can always say no. I love this. And this is actually putting then the onus on the right person. So let's kind of end this with, with, and this is just so beautiful. I could just talk forever about this kind of stuff. It's so transformational (laughs) for me. And here's the thing. It's always transforming. I didn't learn something from you. And then I'm like, okay, this is what I'd solve that. I'm just constantly in this learning mode. I still have to soften every statement that I make. And when I don't, it really shows. Um, (laughs) But let's talk just for a minute about how this has transformed. Our experience has changed in the last couple of years. So much more of this being now online. And there's salespeople who, or sales leaders who think if they just keep giving more technology to their team, it's going to work at some point. Like, let's just keep spending money on technology. (laughs) So tell us why in terms of digital transformation success, of course, we need some systems. Of course, we need to make some things more efficient, but why will that never be the answer for really having a successful sales team? Yeah, I think it's because all that stuff is awesome, but unless somebody can have a conversation that triggers thought through questioning and gets a person to go someplace in their brain they didn't plan on going, Priscilla, people are either unaware of the pain they have, the gaps they have, or they're aware of it and don't have a solution, or they're aware of it and have solution options. We've got to determine that when we come into somebody's world. We have to have that antenna up that says, are they unaware? So we have that strategy. Are they aware but not have a solution? That's a different questioning strategy. And if someone's saying, hey, I got five other bids, I want to have you be the sixth one. They're aware and have solutions. It's a different sales process. So I'm with you. You can have CRMs. You can have nine CRMs if you want to. And and, I mean, there's all kinds of technology, but unless you can't have that, you've got to bond with the human being with this no thing. And you got to have some questions that take them to a place they didn't plan on going. If you pull that off and build that kind of trust quick like that, they will say, will you help me? Or can we talk? They won't say, send me some information. It just, it doesn't hit their brain like that anymore. Mm. So if you're talking, they're going to say, send me some information. If you're asking questions, it changes the game. Mm. So I, this digital transformation, however, you got to figure it out. The conversation's never going to go away. I love Crazy. that. I love that. Okay. As we end, I, there are so many great Sandler rules <laughs> and I'm kind of curious, do you have a favorite, a fallback, um, like anchor that you love to use or that you love, especially love to teach that is it really, really meaningful to you? Uh, can I give you two? Yeah, go <laughs> the, for it. They go with what we're talking about. The first one is don't spill your candy in the lobby, which means if you ever went to the movie theater and spilled your candy in the lobby, you didn't, the movie wasn't as good. So in sales, we steal that. And Sandler says, don't spill your candy in the lobby, meaning don't show up and throw up and go for the clothes and hope. Keep your expertise and ask questions instead of telling them. And then the second rule would be the problem the prospect brings you is never the real problem. You have to ask questions to get to the second and third level of that problem. And that's where you can smoke your competition if you get better at that. 
Oh my gosh, you should just back that up a few seconds and listen to that one again, because it is, is super deep. And I know, Brett, just as a huge thank you for coming on and giving some of your expertise. I know you're going to take it away from us and say, we're not for everybody. (laughs) And I know you don't want to go for a close. (laughs) But tell me, like, who is, whether it's through you or through TrustPoint, who really is perfect for a Sandler system? What kind of pain Um, is out there? Obviously, it's built for sales professionals and sales managers. We're seeing a lot more account managers come in. We're seeing, I'm surprised the technical salespeople that don't wake up on Monday and say, I'm a salesperson, but they have a technical role supporting salespeople. They've really grasped this concept. And even frontline customer care people are starting to realize they got to bond differently, got to sound and act to feel differently than everybody else. So I would think that the ideal person would be, I love the sweet spot of a business owner that has five to 15 people that are interfacing with customers and, and challenging. I have customers that have 50 salespeople, but the ones that really change America is that business owner still owns the business. He's trying to go from 1 million to 10 million or 10 million to hundred million. And he can really move the dime today with his people. That's a powerful thing. Mm-hmm. And I'll back up and say that again. If you can unlock that second and third level of why they're talking to you, if you don't know what that is, that's where you got to call me or you, that will smoke the competition. I love it. Trust point management. Look in the show notes, Brett Baker, as you can tell, we have a lot of love for each other. So if you want to get in on the party, definitely connect with him. (laughs) Brett, B-R-E-T-T, Baker, B-A-K-E-R, just about that the simplest name on in the podcast I've had so far. Thank you so much for giving us your expertise and your time. And thank you for your friendship over the years. All right. Love you. See ya. If you like this content, be sure to give us a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you downloaded this podcast. It's how people find our show. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.